hits all the time. We are We're busting ours. Pick yours. Fun to watch. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfect. Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one. try this again, shall we? If you were just joining us on the Masson Nationals YouTube and Facebook page and on Twitter, we apologize. We had some technical difficulties, but the Masson All Access podcast is back from the Masson Newsroom. We are live across all platforms, uh, so pardon our interruption real quick. I just quick. wanted to spice things up for you. Yeah, to keep everything interesting. I th- it sounds like our machine and our our, t- our technology is also in off-season mode. They're just mm-hmm. wanting to kind of relax and chill out. So we're, we apologize for the interruption, but we're back. I Blanco, Amy Jennings here on the Mass and All Access podcast. We are giving out uh, regular season grades as the offseason is underway for the Nationals. They will not be participating in the playoffs. We're going to also do our uh, a bracket pick them uh, March Madness style for the playoff bracket that we will start seeing uh, on Tuesday afternoon here uh, as the playoffs get underway. But we're going to give uh, grades for the Nationals. Most prominent players uh, from the regular season. Starting, of course, Amy, with Juan Soto. I mean, we've got to start with this guy because he ends up being the National League batting champion, youngest ever in the National League, at only 21 years old, uh, leads the league in uh, average on-base slugging and, of course, OPS. And then he was only second in all of baseball to DJ LeMahieu uh, in, in terms of average. This guy keeps getting better and better, and the question is, what's he going to do next? I know. It's scary to think about this. Where, like, how can this guy get any better? Uh, you know, debuted at 19 years old um, and came up and was great. He has just this outstanding plate presence. He has patience. He has power. He can really do it all, and he just keeps getting better. It's that consistency, and we see that in his numbers this year, earning him that NL batting title. Um, and this this kid just keeps getting better, and it, it's a, it's a testament to to his hard work. I mean, he you know, at the, in his postseason or in his press conference going into that last series, Bobby, um, you said it earlier, um, our, you know, in he, our first episode, in our first episode <laughs> um, that everybody else was kind of like talking about what they're going to do in the off season and get, you know, staying healthy and resting. And he said, well, we still have to play the Mets and I want to beat them. And, you know, it's a, only a chance to get better. Um, so that just goes to show you the, who knows what this kid's ceiling is. Yeah, we, we, you know, a lot of players are just kind of like trying to stay healthy and looking forward to the resting in the offseason. Juan Soto is already studying for 2021. Mm-hmm. He's looking to get better next year. You know, um, that's just something you don't see from a young player like him. You know, a lot of young players are like just soaking it all in, still happy to be here, um, you know, trying to work on little things and just happy to be in the major leagues. Juan Soto's like, no, I'm, I'm looking so I can beat up on this Mets pitching staff even more so in 2021 because he did a fair, fairly good job of that this year. And as we give out grades, Juan Soto is going to be an A-plus for both of us on an A to F scale with pluses and minus. We're not so much questioning what we should give him as a grade. We're more so questioning is he going to get MVP consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he will. It's just how much are voters going to take into account that he played for a losing team this year? And we see this with Mike Trout almost every single year. You know, he plays for, you know, he's only made the postseason once. He's only, he's never won a playoff game, uh, but he's a three time MVP in the American League. And the two times, uh, two of those times, his, his team finished fourth, just like the mm-hmm. Nationals just did. So 
Can a guy, I think he has to be. When you lead the league in all four of those categories, you have to at least be under consideration. That's not the question. The question is how much of a realistic shot does he have to being named the MVP? Yeah, and it's it, what are we going to call it? Are we going to call it most valuable player, or should we just go ahead and call it best offensive player? Right. You know, how are they going to do it? If it's, if it's the best offensive player, then Juan Soto absolutely has to get consideration. But if we're going to look at teams that – are winning because of these players or even made it to the postseason, you know, guys like Freddie Freeman, of course, are going to get more consideration because not only is, is their team still playing now, but he finished second in OPS on base percentage and slugging percentage behind Juan Soto. Um, but then also, you know, we talked about it earlier. Where would the Nationals have finished if they didn't have Juan Soto? Yeah. And would the Braves still be where they are without Freddie Freeman? Um, and I think that should be more of the debate if we're talking about the most valuable player or are we just going to say, you know, is it the, the guy with the best numbers and it doesn't really matter what his role on the team was? I think without Freddie Freeman, the Braves are still a very good team. They still have a really strong lineup. They probably still win the National League East and are in the postseason. The Nationals without Juan Soto are mm-hmm. probably maybe a top three team picking in the draft next year and, and are looking at a last place finish instead of tying for fourth with the Mets. Um, I think even leapfrogger them with the tiebreaker. So, yeah, I think that's how do voters see that. And we've also seen, like, we've seen, like, go back to Juan Soto versus Ronald Acuna Jr. for Rookie of the Year. You know, the argument for Acuna was always, like, they're both really good at the play, but Acuna plays better defense. Mm-hmm. Now, flash forward to two years, though, Juan Soto's defense has improved drastically. He was a gold glove finalist in left field last year. His defense isn't a hindrance anymore, you know, and his offensive outburst this season was so impressive. I think it would take like a negative defensive war for him to really be brought down by that. Mm -hmm. And I don't imagine it was. I haven't actually checked, but I can't imagine it was. And so his defense is good enough where you can not so much not consider it, but it's not going to bring him down Mm -hmm. um, where his offensive stats are going to elevate him and into top consideration. I'm guessing, I'm predicting he's going to finish in the top three. I just don't know how high he's going to get and if voters are going to give him enough first place votes to win the thing because he did not finish on a, uh, mm-hmm. a winning team. It just, you know, really how, yeah, it just, it just comes down to what does MVP mean um, and it, is it really the most valuable player. But either way, I, he, he has to finish in the top three. Yeah. So we're giving him an A+, and there's another guy we're going to give an A+, on this team, and that's Trey Turner, the other bright spot in this lineup, even when Juan Soto wasn't there. Um, so, I mean, Trey Turner's just absolutely the glue for this team. He's not a flashy guy, but he's just exactly the type of player you want up the middle. Um, he has flashes of power, but he has that speed. He was in, in the race for the NL batting title, ended up finishing fourth, hitting 335. But, you know, this is just another guy who was great throughout the whole season, had a little bit of a slow start, but then he just got going. And, you know, Davey Martinez moved him around, you know. He, he can hit, the, hit at the top of the lineup, but then he also has those flashes of power, which gives him um, – the ability to, to move to him to move down a little bit when he needed to fit other guys in and just make it work. So yeah, and it's a shortened season, and Trey Turner finished second to Juan Soto with 12 home runs. So there, there's your power right there. Then he also led the team in RBIs, a seven RBI day on Sunday in the finale against the Mets um, with a grand slam. That'll help him. That that helped him catapult over mm-hmm. Juan Soto for the RBI lead on the team. But you mentioned the average, uh, and then we talked about Juan Soto with his glove not a hindrance. Trey Turner's glove is. 
a plus. You know, he, he plays the toughest position in the field. He plays it at a high level. He doesn't get the national recognition probably for his defense that other players do because the National League is such so stacked with shortstops. But he, you know, we here in D.C. know how good he is and valuable. And he's even toned down the flashiness. Mm-hmm. You know, he's talked about how he's not – he doesn't want to do that jump throw that he – got so well known uh, to do in the early parts of his career he wants to focus more on planting his feet and driving the ball over to first base when he and making an accurate throw the jump throw is just too risky so you know he's toned down his flashiness which doesn't give him the national attention that he probably mm-hmm. deserves but maybe this season we'll get we'll we'll put him in that spotlight because right. how good he was offensively carrying this team in the absence of Juan Soto being at the top of the average uh, list throughout the course of the season leading this team in RBIs and then also Amy for me you know I, I voted for Trey Turner for the Nationals Player of the Year in, in the local media awards um, hindsight looking back on it probably should have voted for Juan Soto just because his numbers were ended up being ridiculous and outstanding mm-hmm. but for me it's the Trey Turner played in 59 of 60 games he was there every single day day in and day out the only day he got off was because Davey Martinez wanted to give him rest thought he deserved a day off near the end of the season Trey Turner being available for Davey Martinez to use every day and count on at a high leverage position like shortstop means makes his value skyrocket and he's an A plus too and I said you know i it's it's the defense for me. Trey Turner has it where Juan Soto has some flashes of not so reliable defense out there in left field. And it's also it's it's beyond the numbers. You know, Trey Turner has is the most tenured player on this roster right now with Ryan Zimmerman opting out this season. And, and it's his leadership. You know, it's his ability to to do whatever his manager asks from. It's it's that veteran leadership, you know, talking about toning down that that flashiness. It, it takes a veteran to do it. it takes a guy that's been around to that to do that and you know maybe he'll be there long term he'll be the first homegrown Nats player you know he debuted there wasn't of course drafted by Washington but you know maybe he'll he'll be the first homegrown player to sign a long contract and he talks about his favorite players being guys like Derek Jeter or Kobe Bryant Mm -hmm. people who played their whole careers in one place and were a reliable staple with those teams and maybe that's how his career will shake out he's the longest tenured Nationals position player right now of course with Ryan Zimmerman opting out of this season, um, and, and you know he took on that mantle of being a leader, mm-hmm. and you know he even, I think, kind of joked about it in his last press conference with the media, being like, "I didn't ask for it; it was kind of just like thrust upon me this leadership role." Um, he like kind of like joked, like, "What leader? I'm not really a leader. I'm so quiet." But you know he had to take on that role he, more often than not, especially during the hard times when when some when the team needed someone to step up and speak to the media after a tough loss, it was more often than not Trey Turner. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is someone you want to build your franchise around, someone who doesn't ask for the spotlight, doesn't seek it, uh, but is, like, thrust into a leadership role like that. You know, kind of like I'm, I'm a nerd, so I'll, like, compare it to, like, a Harry Potter. You know, you don't he doesn't <laughs> seek famous, but it's just thrust upon him, and, and he takes it in stride. Right. So uh, Trey Turner being a strong A-plus from the both of us as well. Those are only A-pluses we're giving out. Spoiler alert. Someone that we are accustomed to giving A pluses mm-hmm. to is Max Scherzer, and this is difficult. You know, I, part of me wants to. It's really hard to grade him because you you think of Max Scherzer, you think oh, future Hall of Famer, multi-time Cy Young Award winner, uh, ace in this rotation, but you can't look at his past work. You have to only focus on the work in 2020. And while he was he was good, he was solid. He was the Nats pitcher of the year, their best starter, most consistent starter of the year. It wasn't up to snuff in terms of Max Scherzer level and expectations. I think I'm only going to slide him as a B minus for Max. 
I would say, yeah, if we're just looking at this year's body of work, I'm going to say a B minus because he still had a decent year. You know, one he went five and four with a three uh, seven four ERA in his 12 starts. But one of his losses was in a game he threw 119 pitches, gave up no earned runs. Um, and then another one of those came in a 10 strikeout game. So it's kind of it's tough to just go off of that but in Max Scherzer terms I almost want to give him like a C plus because we know what he can do we know that this isn't his best body of work um so it's kind of tough grading this it's like if you're grading um a test a math test and it's like well I know this this kid what he can do uh this isn't his best or it's like everybody else in the class was terrible so you're you're getting a higher grade you know yeah well and then comparing him to I mean to the other bodies of work that we saw throughout the course of this season from other top pitchers, look, just loading, looking at the top National League strikeout leaders, Max finished with 92. Jacob deGrom led the National League with 104. Trevor Bauer was second with 100. Aaron Nola, Hugh Darvish round out the top four um, with 96, 93. But then you look at the other numbers, and Max Scherzer finished 5-4. and four. Uh, Aaron Nola finished 5-5. Five and five. We know Jacob deGrom's almost always going to have a bad record. Pitcher's records throw out the window. But he has probably the – he has easily the highest ERA mm-hmm. out of anyone in the top 10 of strikeouts. So just taking the top 10 guys in strikeouts, he has the highest ERA of all of them. He has the highest whip and highest average against. So, again, that's just not what we're used to seeing from Max Scherzer, even in a smaller year. And you and I talked about this before too, Amy – that it is going to be very difficult to look back on this season and judge starting pitching staff Mm -hmm. because you're only getting 12 starts in 60 games. It's easier for batting because they play every other day. You get a larger sample size of a course, sample size over the course of a 162-game season when starting pitchers are getting 30 outings as opposed to just 12. Max Scherzer's case, he only really had 10 legit outings Mm -hmm. because two of them got got short due to injury. So uh, it was a rough go for Max this season. While he was still the Nats' best pitcher, we're, we're used to mm-hmm. seeing him better, and now it brings up the question is, are we starting to see the decline of Max Scherzer with his time in Washington? Yeah, and it's just so hard to tell in a season season like this. And we talked about how, how much easier it is to, to grade the Juan Sotos and grade the Trey Turners because they have X amount of at-bats in X amount of games, um, and it's that consistency. Um, but, but it's hard to look at just a small sample size of – what like about 12 starts for each of these starting pitchers it's it's much more difficult to to grade them but for me the only other two A's on this pitching staff I'm going to give out are Kyle Finnegan and Tanner Rainey and those are A minuses because Rainey went out at the beginning of September and you know Kyle Finnegan did make make the most appearances out of this bullpen but he had a little rough patch at the start of September um so those are two other guys I'm going to give A's to. Yeah, and then you're looking at the rest of the staff, and they are the top two in terms of ERA on play, on pitchers who made more than seven appearances. Sam Freeman and Ben Bramer actually topped the list, but they only made three mm-hmm. and uh, seven and three appearances throughout the course of the season, so they don't really qualify. Tanner Rainey in 20 appearances, 2.66 ERA, a whip under one, well under one, uh, .74, an average against of 119. Um, 32 strikeouts, only seven walks, which is crazy. Kyle Finnegan right behind him with a, a ERA under three and 25 outings. I, I'm going to give Tanner Rainey an A because I, I think he would have been an A-plus if it weren't for the injury. You're knocking him down from A to A-minus because of the injury. I would have given him probably an A-plus if he would have continued that pace. You know, Let's say he had these similar numbers in 25 appearances like Kyle Finnegan ended up with. Mm-hmm. 
you know, five more appearances and maybe even better numbers, I think Tanner Randy qualifies for an A+. plus. I'm going to knock him down to just a, a straight-up A uh, because of the time missed. And then Kyle Finnegan, I can go with an A-, minus two. You mentioned his the rough patch he went through. He still ended up, again, the numbers are strong there. And, and for a guy who didn't figure to play that much of a role this year at right. all, came in and became one of Dave Martinez's most trusted arms, especially after Rainey went down. We saw Rainey being used in such high-leverage situations early on in the season and a lot. Then Kyle Finnegan took on that role uh, in the second half of the season um, and and getting out of bases loaded jams, uh, striking out guys, you know, one, two, three to get it out of an eighth inning. Really impressive stuff from Kyle Finnegan in 2020. Yep, and we talked about these guys, these young guys in this bullpen that just made the most of their opportunities, and Kyle Finnegan is the leader of all of them. You know, came from Oakland, played seven seasons in the minors, came up this year, pitched way more than you would have imagined, making the most appearances out of this bullpen and made the most of his opportunities. And, you know, came back from a rough patch at the beginning of September, not terrible, but a rough patch, and fought his way back and finished the season strong. And, yeah, these are two guys that get A's for me. Another top name, uh, someone that we need to talk about, is Patrick Corbin, a guy, especially with the loss of Steven Strasburg, he was then asked probably to take on a lot for this starting rotation. You're that third guy, the only left-handed consistent starter for this rotation. Signed the big contract before last year. Obviously had a strong World Series coming out of the bullpen. Um, after struggling out of the bullpen earlier. But like just looking at this year alone, Patrick Corbin really struggled. And the consistency is what I'm going to give him you know, pluses for. Mm-hmm. Again, he was the only Nationals, Nationals pitcher to go at least five innings in every one of his starts. That is helpful in a season like this when you know, you're not asked to start too many games and you need to eat up innings. Again, even Max didn't do that. So, But the numbers are 4-6-6 ERA, only 2-7. A lot of the times that was probably due to run support, and he didn't get a lot of run support in his outings for whatever reason. Only mm-hmm. made 11 starts, um, uh, a whip at over 150, and uh, average against over 300. Patrick Corbin was not was a shell of himself compared to what we saw last year. The only plus being that he was at least consistent and, and ate up some innings for, for David Martinez. Well, and that's the thing. You know, when you go to grade him and you're, you're grading him against the other the other pitchers in this rotation is he was the only one to go at least five innings in each of his outings. Um, that's where you give him pluses. But then if you compare him to, to his previous seasons and what he's getting paid, he has to do better. Yeah. Um, had a great 2019, but wasn't really a shell of himself that you put that exactly right um and for his contract he has to be playing better so i'm gonna give him like a c plus yeah he went 14 and 7 in 2019 the only two and seven this year again um and then the era went up almost a point uh all point in 40 mm-hmm. so that's that's way too high uh for patrick corbin and he gave he actually ended up leading all of major leagues and starting starting pitchers in giving up hits, 85 hits off of him, which of course leads to that high uh, three uh, three what was it 303 average against for Patrick mm-hmm. Corbin. So not Patrick Corbin's best. Your final grade was C plus. C plus. I, I might go C minus really because again the expectations were set hard, higher, and this isn't Patrick Corbin's fault. But the loss of Steven Strasburg means that you he needed to step up and and pitch even better. Uh, than normally because he was then thrusted from the number three guy in this rotation to the mm-hmm. number two. Um, and, you know, we talked about 
all season long that it was weird that this Nats bullpen was the better part of this pitching staff than the rotation for the first time in eight-plus years. Uh, and Patrick Corbin was a big part of that and why the, the, the rotation struggled this year. Um, just not as consistent in terms of the overall numbers, but consistent in his outings at least um, mm-hmm. and in terms of going deeper into the game. Um, one more big one, and this isn't a player, but I think it's important, especially for a guy who just got a contract extension, Davey Martinez. Unconventional year. I don't know how we're going to grade this guy on, on a 60-game season like this, but what do you give Davey Martinez for – I know the expectations were not met, but I think something has to be said for navigating a pandemic 60-game sprint of a season. And not even just a 60-game sprint. It's just the injuries. Yeah. The injuries to his pitching staff, the injuries all around the field, um, to be able to, to navigate and still come out and try to put together – together a lineup when half your lineup's out or try to put together some type of consistency in your rotation when everybody's out try to figure out who you're going to bring in in games with no consistent lefty in your bullpen um it's tough so this is difficult because with all of that being said if you're just looking at this body of work with the injuries that they have i'm gonna say like a c plus c plus wow i'm a little more bullish on dave martinez i think it was Really impressive how he handled all of this, especially meeting the media every day. You're the defending world champions. You're not doing well. Um, I, I don't think nothing he did managerial-wise mm-hmm. hurt the Nationals. I think we saw some managerial mistakes back in 2018. Davey has shown that he has grown and gotten better mm-hmm. at managing a baseball game um, with this roster. He was fantastic, of course, throughout the postseason, pushed every single right button in 2019. I think that carried over to this year. You mentioned the injuries. That's not his fault. We talked about all the time, and, and with previous managers too, you know, he's not the one out there can't, who can't lay down a bunt or who can't strike a guy out or make the play in the field or, or get a base hit. He's just trying to put guys in the best position as possible to do that, and I think we saw a lot of that this year. I think he made right moves. I think – one thing I might like criticize him on, and again, this might not be his his fault because of the energy, but he, you know, he had he relied on Tanner Rainey really heavily early on the season. I don't know if that's going to contribute to Tanner Rainey's injury or not, mm-hmm. but he did, and that's you know you don't want to rely too heavily on one guy, but also that might just be how the roster is constructed. I'm going to give Davy a B. I don't want B plus. I think I'm going to go a full grade higher than you and B plus just because in this crazy season, the injuries they had to deal with. I think Davey still pushed right buttons, even moving Juan Soto to right field at the end of the season and kind of like hinting at, mm-hmm. well, you know, because we might need a left fielder next year and well, Juan might need, might mm-hmm. need to play right. I, I think he showed a little more that he is more than capable of managing in today's age of baseball than he was, say, two years ago. Well, and the the riding guys out of that bullpen too hard isn't a new thing. Right. I mean, you, you saw that even last year. I mean, Doolittle, you know, they rode him way too hard. It was hurt and was out towards, you know, their final stretch of the season. Um, so that that's nothing new. But at the end of the day, they finished 26 and 34 coming yeah. off of a, yeah. a World Series win. That's not good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then you look at the injuries and what he did and how he, you know, made lineup changes and was willing to, 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 to bend here and there. It's, it's I yeah. don't know. It's no, still and tough. That's the, that's the thing. When you're a manager, head coach, uh, front office exec, GM – own it, whatever, like, you're put in that position. Like, you have to take it good or bad. You know, that's a thankless position. Uh, you are – you don't get any of the uh, praise when things go right, and you get all the blame when things go wrong. And so you're right. You know, a record like that after a defending World Series champion is not good. 
and that should knock him down a couple bags. I'm just, I just think, okay, maybe I'll take off the plus. Maybe he's just a solid B for me. You know, I, <laughs> I'll, I, I'll, this I'll season did not I'll go right. You know, he has to take some blame and he does for how bad the season went in terms of not uh, realizing expectations. Mm-hmm. But I think again, with the injuries, some of the performances that they got out of guys that they were expecting to do a lot better, not panning out. I think he still did, did a good job of with right, with pushing the right buttons and putting guys in the best position to succeed. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not they do succeed, that's not up to Dave. That's up to the individual player. Mm-hmm. I think he still did a fairly good and good job of, of doing that. And it's, it, to me, it seems like it's leaps and bounds different than what we saw in 2018. Oh, yeah. and, you know, I think 2019, especially that postseason run, even this year, he's just getting better at his or figuring out more so his managerial style and incorporating that into the game. Because um, I still think he's pushing some good buttons. So I'll knock him down to a B instead of a B. Yeah, plus. and you know, like ownership in talked about that when he first went for the job with the Nationals. He was not confident in himself, not confident in himself as a manager. Over these past few seasons, you've seen him come into himself and, you know, be more confident in his decisions and make better decisions, um, especially, you know, it's like some bullpen moves. Right. Um, but obviously, ownership believes in him. You know, you know, signing him to that contract, they believe in him. Rizzo believes in him, and they're saying they're committing to him and saying, you know, you're the manager. You can take a deep breath, and you know, this is your team for now. So, so yeah. So, like, what is what are the Nationals grade for David Martinez? You know, they just gave him a three-year mm-hmm. contract extension. He's the first Nationals manager since they moved to D.C. to go a fourth year and beyond. Uh, I think that's worth something too in terms of his grading. The Nationals obviously are giving him a high. Are great and maybe giving him not a pass but you know an exception for knowing that they suffered injuries and guys didn't perform the way they should they like his managerial style and are sticking by him all right real quick rapid fire no reason don't give any reason for your grade off the top of your head yeah. give me a grade i'm gonna give you mine then we'll move on no explanation yeah. andrew stevenson a minus b plus adam eaton f oh <laughs> i was gonna go d okay. victor robles uh, b minus c minus Carter Keboom. C minus. C. Astrubal Cabrera. Um, B minus. B minus as well. Anibal Sanchez. C minus. C minus. Two for two. Uh, Austin Voth. Mm, C plus. C plus. I'm going straight C. Eric Fetty. B minus. B minus as well. I think we nailed it. We got, so we were right the same on Carter, Cabr- uh, Cabrera, Sanchi, Anibal. and Fetty. Yep. All right. That's not too bad. All right, well, throughout the course of this offseason, of course, there will be instructional league to look forward to. Hopefully, they can get that underway at West Palm Beach. We know some of the guys from the training camp complex are already there, so keep an eye out for that Game on MassInSports.com. Uh, whoa, that's all right. I didn't know that. So, game October start next 6th. week. Um, yeah. We'll talk about offseason needs later on um, in future podcasts as well. But for now, because the playoffs are getting underway, and, you know, I don't know about you, Amy, but I, I really miss not having March Madness this past season. I know. Us being Terp graduates, the, it was our year that was completely stolen away from us, which is not fair. But this crazy postseason bracket for the for baseball, let's have some fun and do some pick Let's do You know, kind of the same rapid-fire style. You don't need to give a, a full in-depth analysis okay. of why you're picking a team, but let's kind of crunch down the bracket, get to a World Series, and pick our winners, and we'll make note of it and then revisit it at the end of the yeah. postseason. Let's start in the National League because we are a National League podcast. Uh, number one, uh, Los Angeles Dodgers versus the number eight seed Milwaukee Brewers. That's easy. Dodgers are the best team in baseball. So. I'm going Dodgers. <laughs> I'm not, I don't think it's going to be a complete sweep. I'll say Dodgers in three. Uh, all right, we'll go uh, number two, Atlanta Braves over the number seven, Cincinnati Reds. I'm going to take... 
the Reds just because of their their rotation. I'm gonna do the same thing, and I, I I'm gonna say the Braves still can't win a playoff series yep. moving forward. So I, that's upset alert for me. Um, Cincinnati Reds. I, uh, on the Orioles side of the podcast, Brendan Mortensen did a great job of breaking down that pitching rotation, that strength versus strength. Uh, Reds pitching versus the Braves lineup. All right, number f- uh, three, uh, the champions out of the Central, Chicago Cubs versus another NL East team, the Miami Marlins. I'm going to take the Marlins. Are you really? I just think, you know what, Mattingly deserves NL Manager of the Year. What mm-hmm. they've done with what they've had. Six players stayed um, stayed on that roster the entire season. That's crazy. Only six guys were there the entire season. You know what, they're hot. Who knows? You know, it's possible. It's a playoff first. First playoff first in almost 20 years. Yeah. It's yep. possible. Yeah, it's, and the, the other thing, Marlins don't lose playoff series. The two times yeah. they've ever made the playoffs, they won the World and Series. And not to mention, they have nothing to lose. Right. They have nothing to yeah. lose. So I'm going to say the Cubs actually do win this series. I think you're right. I think it's closer than people think. I'm going to say Cubs in, in three. Mm-hmm. Um, good story for the Marlins. That they're just not there yet. I think Cubs in three. All right. This one might be the mo- one of the more interesting ones. The Padres, who are one of those teams that are making the playoffs for the first time in a long time, against the Cardinals. Padres. Padres. I think, the, yeah. yeah. I think the talent's there. It just kind of stinks for them as they have the Dodgers there. I mean, yep. they always are going to have the Dodgers there. They're going to have to play them in the division series if they win, yep. pro- most likely. So. All right, so let's, stick with, let's just finish the uh, NL side okay. of the bracket. So we both have the Dodgers. We both have Padres. So Dodgers, Padres, and the NLDS. I'm going to take the Dodgers. Take the Dodgers? I really want to pick the Padres. I don't know why. Something went, all right, I'll pick the Padres. I'm going to take them. Do I don't that. know why. I couldn't tell you. I, the Dodgers are the best team in baseball, and I would feel – I'm not really uh, – Do I, would I feel bad for them? Probably not. If they lost to the Padres? Yeah. Well, I'd, if they just failed to win a World, World Series, Series again. Again. With that payroll. Uh, but I think, mm. you know, the, the Padres went all in. They made all the moves at the trade deadline. They've got the star power with uh, Tatis and, like and, and Manchado. I like it. Upset. I, I say Padres. That's only the problem is that's only a five game series. I wish it was seven. I'll, I'll say Padres in five, like much like the Nationals pulled off okay. the upset last year. Okay, um, which is going to be tough because that Dodgers team is really good. All right, bottom side, you have. I think we both have the Reds. So you have Reds of against the Marlins, Marlins in the second yeah. round. I take the Reds. Taking the the Marlins story is good. It's not going to be that good. <laughs> so your NLCS is Dodgers Reds. Mm-hmm. Who you have? Dodgers. So you have Dodgers going to the World Series at the National League. Uh, my NLDS on that side of the bracket is Reds-Cubs, a division rival, close-by teams. I'm going to take the Cubs. Really? Cubs to make the NLCS, yep. Uh, Cubs versus Padres in the NLCS. I'm going to go – man, I want. am I all in on the Padres? That's going to be crazy. Yeah, I'm going to go Padres. Why not? Wow. It's 2020. Any really, it, any, and that's the thing is anything can happen. Yeah. Anything can happen in this weird – postseason mm-hmm. format who knows i really hope this doesn't go by the script you know i really want to see a handful of upsets uh, especially through these first couple of rounds all right so you have uh the uh so I have the dodgers, the dodgers yeah. in the world series yep. i have the padres coming out of the world series in the national league all right switching mm-hmm. over to the american league which is getting underway today um tampa bay rays number one seed versus the toronto blue jays number eight seed um tampa bay is just the better team and the blue jays aren't are bad on the road so. yeah mm, that's tough a good to point. play there tough to play in tampa yep yeah that crowd's crazy <laughs> <laughs> i'm talking about the doom boys and girls i'll take the uh i'll take the the tampa bay rays as well uh number two the west uh champions uh oakland athletics versus the chicago white Sox. another team making the playoffs for the first time in a while i'm gonna take the white Sox. i really like the white Dang. Sox. i like tim anderson obviously abreu 
Giolito. Giolito, yeah. I, I really like the White Sox this year. I think Mark Zuckerman uh, posed a question for Nationals fans on Twitter today. Will you be watching Giolito versus Luzardo in game one of White Sox A's this afternoon or eating doodle highlights from the 2019 postseason? Tough pick. Tough pick. Um, I'm going to go A's. I, I like that team. I think them winning, they're going to carry some momentum after winning their first division in a while. Um, and that, that's when, you know, they have the momentum. The White Sox, you know, were the one seed at one point, dropped to the seven. They're, mm-hmm. they're cold right now, so yeah. Oakland has all the momentum. Uh, moving up, uh, the Twins and the Astros, which I believe is the first game today. Yeah, they're playing they're right, right now. now. They're underway yep. in the second inning scoreless. I'm going to take the Twins. I think they're probably, arguably, the best all-around all around team in the playoffs. So Never forget, we didn't get our uh, Astros Shane tour this year. So I think Astros are get booed in the first round, too. And then they just never got it together. Everything will be back to normal. So uh, Twins as well. So I think we're three. No, no, you we split in the previous one. Yep. All right, Indians, Yankees. This is going to be a tough series. Probably one of the series to watch in this first round. Indians, Yankees getting underway tonight at 7 o'clock. I think this is going to be a toss up. I'm going to take the Yankees just because I think when the Yankees are playing their best baseball. They're the best team in the American League. Mm-hmm. Um, being on the road makes me nervous because um, they, they're splits. They're just way better at home, mm-hmm. um, even though there isn't a crowd still. But I think if the Yankees can hit, and, yeah, I'm going to take the Yankees. Well, playing inside Yankee Stadium definitely helps the Yankee style of baseball right? Uh, with the short outfield. So I usually take pitching in the postseason, but I feel like the Yankees are going to figure out a way to outslug. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Cleveland has the pitching, but then, you know, the Yankees, cold tonight, but then Tanaka. I mean, Tanaka's lights out in the postseason. Yeah. So So I'm going to go Yankees, too. So that's a 5-4 upset, but still an upset. Um, So then we both have Rays-Yankees in the ALDS Mm -hmm. uh, division matchup. Who do you got? I'm going to take the Yankees. And best of five? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to take the Yankees. I think I'm going to do the same. Um, Pretty much for the same reason. I I just think the Yankees will be able to power their way past – a really good Rays pitching staff. I just think the Yankees will find, figure out a way to, uh, to score some runs. And then bottom of the half, you have White Sox-Twins, mm-hmm. another division matchup. I'm going to take the Twins. Twins. And then I have A's-Twins. I'm going to take the A's. I'm okay. going to say the A's make the ALCS against the okay. Yankees. Um, and I think that's where the Oakland train stops. I think I'm going to go Yankees make the World Series. Garrett Cole, they back behind Garrett Cole. They win every single one of his starts, much like the Nationals won of all Strasburg starts last year, and that offense hits enough home runs to carry that, that team to the World Series. The tough thing is, is, you know, when you're – yeah, the Yankees, I mean, their game is home runs, but you're playing against the best pitchers in baseball at this yeah. point, so th- that's going to, you know, keep their home run count down. Yeah. Also, I have them playing the Twins. They have beat the Twins 13 straight postseason games the twins are going to win at some point (laughs) it has to happen like it just has to happen but i'm still going to take the yankees okay in the best of seven i'm going to take the yankees yep and it's going to be a yankee and this is the the world series matchup i would have picked probably in the beginning of the season yankees dodgers Dodgers. yep and who do you have dodgers damn so the dodgers get their first championship in however many years since the 80s Mm -hmm. i think it was for for you i have yankees uh, Padres, I think the Padres miracle run stops in, in the fall classic. I think the Yankees win number 28 this year. I think that was my preseason prediction. I think I had Yankees-Dodgers as well in my preseason okay. prediction. I think I had the Yankees winning so it. So what changed, but changed between the beginning of the season I and did, now with the Dodgers? Just because of their, no, their moves of the deadline? 
I don't know if anything changed. I think it was more so the Padres got better. They're mo- yeah. And and they, I mean, I wasn't expecting the Padres to be this good this year. You know, I thought they'd be better. I thought a shortened season helped them a lot, clearly. Um, I didn't think they'd be this good. And then the, all the moves they made, I mean, they clearly are just going all in. They want to win this year. I think it'll be a fun ride. I think a lot of this would be really good for baseball, too, if a young Padres team makes a deep run in the postseason. And I think that's kind of what baseball wants to see. You know, a young oh, yeah. team like the Padres emerge against, like, uh, a heavy ho- a heavy hitter, like a heavyweight like the the Yankees. I do think the Yankees win, though. I don't know why. I think I'm just sticking with my original picture uh, uh, pick we'll from, from the regular season <laughs> or from before the season. But, yeah, it, no, it should be crazy. Tomorrow, Wednesday, is going to be, like, that first or second day of March Madness. I believe there is a game starting every hour on the hour from noon until 7, except for, like, 6 o'clock. Yeah. which is crazy. So just a full day of baseball. There'll be a more so on Thursday um, yep. with probably a couple of game th- threes in the American League and then mm-hmm. game twos in the National League. We've never seen anything like this, and we may never see anything like it ever again. So enjoy it while we have it. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be super interesting and, and hopefully pretty wacky and crazy. I'm excited. I'm yeah. so excited. We'll see We'll see whose bracket pans out to be better. Yep, we got to mark it down, and we will see how we turned out. Uh, at the end of the postseason. That's going to do it for this week's all, uh, Mass and All Access podcast. Thanks for st- sticking with us and tuning in, uh, of course, throughout our, our technical difficulties. A huge shout-out to Brenton Mortensen, who is working the board behind the scenes. Um, he, he is working his butt off, so we thank him so much for sticking with us and, and getting us back up and running on YouTube and Facebook and on Twitter. Of course, at Amy Jennings News for Amy on Twitter. I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. Stay tuned with us throughout the offseason. We'll have coverage, and obviously the Nationals uh, have more coverage on MassInSports.com from Mark and Byron and uh, on our social media channels. And, of course, follow the Mass and All Access podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. We really appreciate you all listening and tuning in and subscribing and commenting along. We see all the comments on Facebook and on YouTube, so we really appreciate you guys uh, chatting with us throughout this offseason. For Amy and Brendan, I am Bobby. We'll see you next time.